Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. The animated series. Joining me today is a man who just can't keep his big mouth shut, Jacob. I don't know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> Why, thank you. like to introduce our co-host, a man who is just looking to get promoted every once in a while. Welcome, Drew. How are you doing, Jacob? Man, smashing-tacular. Okay. Uh, today is a very special episode because yep. we are finishing the first season of our animated series. Uh, today is a very special episode because this is the first time we will be closing out a season of an animated series for this animated series sub show we're doing. Mm-hmm. In other words, season one, episode 10 of Lower Deck, Star Trek Lower Decks, entitled No Small Parts which was written by Mike McCann and directed by Barry J. Kelly. All right, so getting into the uh, the uh, Easter eggs for this, we start off with one that I did not even know because I've not actually seen the original animated series that much. Oh, okay. Even though I recognize the name Landrew. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cerritos... Uh, the episode opens with the Cerritos in orbit of Beta 3, mm-hmm. a planet from the original series episode, The Return of the Archons. I'm sorry, this is not an animated series. It's an original series episode that I somehow missed. I am a horrible Trekkie. Okay, uh, planet from the original series episode, The Return of the Archons. Uh-huh. In that episode, people worshipped a bizarre god named Landru, but Kirk and Spock determined that Landru was a computer. Landrew encouraged people to go nuts once a day during something called the Red Hour, which is essentially the Purge. Pretty much. So anyone who thought that was a new idea. Also, Ben Stiller named his production company the Red Hour from that episode. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. If you're curious why in the name of that episode it was called Return of the Archons, the Archons were actually humans from an Earth ship called the Archon that the people of Beta 3 were waiting for the return of. So when this... Meaning... meaning, meaning uh, They are actually waiting for the return of the Archons, meaning humans from Earth. So with the Cerritos back at this planet, this is the third time the Archons have returned. We also get a quick shot of Kirk and Spock's animated series uh, models from 1973. Mm-hmm. Uh, Captain Freeman threatens to land. Captain Freeman's threat to Landra references one of Kirk's famous "talking a computer to death" speeches at the end of ep- at the end of the same episode, "Return to the Archons." Kirk also famously a- uh, talked other AIs to death in "The Changeling" and "I Mud." Mm. Ransom actually calls that era the TOS era. Yeah. Now, in real life, the reason we call it the TOS era is because TOS stands for the original Mm -hmm. series, referencing the original Star Trek series. Mm -hmm. He calls it that because uh, it's filled with those old scientists. Uh. They mentioned the Gamesters of Triskelin, which is from a TOS episode of the same name. Uh, they are talking brains who make bets with a currency known as Quatloose. Hmm. I have no idea what that is. It's just a random currency. Okay. They had slaves that fought people for their so they could bet on them. Oh, They fought okay. each other. 
Oh. Boimler mentions that the Cerritos has a Captain Freeman Day, which references the Captain Picard Day from the Next Generation episode, The Pegasus. More on that later. Uh, this is the third time in the 2020 in 2020 that a new Trek series has referenced Captain Picard Day. In the first episode of Picard Remembrance, John Luke revisited the Captain Picard Day banner, and in episode 5 of Lower Decks, Captain Picard Day was referenced outright. The robot in this episode named Peanut Hamper is an exocomp, a type of sentient artificial life first seen in the Next Generation episode, The Quality of Life. In that episode, the exocomps were recognized by being sentient in 2369. Lower Decks is, of course, in 238, so it seems a lot has happened in the, what, 20 years? Mm -hmm. 20, 30 years? Uh, the Quality of Life was also directed by Jonathan Frakes. Huh. Mariner mentions that Wesley Crusher worked with his mom and because... Wesley Crusher, the entire reason he was on the Enterprise D is because his mother was the Enterprise D's chief medical officer, mm -hmm. which, considering that the Crushers and the Picards apparently were somewhat friends through Wesley's father, Jack, yeah. kind of just adds some interesting stuff to that. Right. One of the guys uh, on the ship that is trying to brown-nose Mariner mm -hmm. mentions that Wolf 359 was an inside job. Yes. Here's the funny thing about that. You could claim it was. Do you know when Wolf 359 is? No, I don't. Wolf 359 is the battle that takes place in The Best of Both Worlds Part 2. Oh, okay. The episode where Picard has been assimilated by the Borg Collective. Right, okay. As far as we know, he wasn't called dead at this point. So you could say they were using Picard, and they were using Picard's intelligence mm -hmm. in order to know how to fight everything. So literally, it was an inside job. Technically, just not the way you would think it is. Yeah. Uh, this changeling, uh, this conspiracy theory guy, also claims that changelings aren't real, and the Dominion War didn't happen. This references the deep, uh, the last four seasons of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which was, uh, literally, it's an arc called the Dominion War, in which the Federation is fighting a group of, essentially, an anti-Federation. Mm -hmm. They're like the Federation, but through domination, sort of a thing. Yeah. That is led by a race of aliens called the Founders, or as we more commonly think of them, Changelings. Mm-hmm. The fake distress call in this episode comes from the Kala system, this references the Next Generation episode First Born, in which the Kala system is mentioned as a place the Packleds hang out, which is a good thing because the Pack uh, and the Packleds themselves only appeared in the original Next Generation episode The Samaritan Snare. As Boimler and Freeman point out, people thought they were a joke back then, but it turns out they're not anymore. Hmm. I would also like to point out in the video game Star Trek Klingon, which was actually filmed because it was one of those point-and-click video adventure gotcha. games, the Packlets show up there and they're still a joke. <laughs> but here, they're. this is what happens when you give idiots power. True. Because the Packlet are a race of idiots. Apparently, on First Contact Day, people eat salmon. Okay. Because uh, Ransom says the Packled ship is carving up the Cerritos like a First Contact Day salmon. Oh, okay. First Contact Day is April 5th, 2063, which was when the Vulcans made first contact with human mm -hmm. with humans 
as seen in the movie Star Trek First Contact. Uh, why would people eat salmon on First Contact Day, would you guess? Could it be that it happened in Montana? And that salmon might have been the only thing they could have had on hand at the time of the first... That, yeah. Of, of, of the first First Contact Day? Like, yeah. Like we think turkeys at Thanksgiving? That does make sense. Mariner has a bunch of contraband from all over the ship. The ones we get to see are a Tribble from the Trouble with Tribbles and Trials and Tribulations. Mariner, oh, and the animated series episode, More Tribbles, More Troubles. Mm-hmm. Mar- Mariner later says that she uses it for personal reasons. I don't want to know. Exactly. Keep that yourself, Mariner. A fencing foil. This references Sulu fighting with a sword like this in the naked time. Mm-hmm. It also references Mariner telling Boimler that he could become a sword guy. In the original Lower Decks episode, Second Contact. Uh. A bottle of Klingon blood wine. A Klingon batleth. A Spock helmet. Which is based on a toy from the 70s... Uh, a toy from the 70s produced by AHI. For years, fans have pointed out that the helmet has nothing to do with Spock or Star Trek, despite the fact that it was sold as a real Star Trek toy. Ethan Peck jokingly unboxed one of these vintage Spock helmets... In December 2019 on StarTrek.com, the fact that Mariner has one of these helmets as contraband seems to imply that the Spock helmet is actually canon. Other than Zahn, in the last episode, yeah. this Easter egg might be Lower Deck's deepest, deepest cut. Yeah, that, that is very, very unique. <laughs> when Peanut Hamper, the Exocomp, says that she'll pass on helping the ship, Tindy says, what about the needs of the many? This references Spock's famous axiom from mm-hmm. the Wrath of Khan mm-hmm. that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. Although Riker's USS Titan has been referenced several times on Lower Decks, and one officer even found himself transferred there in Episode 6, I'd forgot that, mm. this is the first time we've ever actually gotten to see Riker's Luna-class starship in action. The way the Titan looks matches its appearance on the covers of several non-canon novels, as does its registry number, NCC-80102. In 2379, Riker became the captain of the Titan and Troy, the ship's counselor. They're also married. Yeah, I knew that much. Mm -hmm. Riker says red alert twice in these Titan scenes. Once, when the ship makes its big entrance, and again when he says we're still at red alert. This references Riker's habit of saying Red Alert really, really loud on this generation. (laughs) Riker's first officer seems to be the same species as Linus from Star Trek Discovery. This alien in the first officer's chair looks very much like the Saurian Linus from Star Trek Discovery. In theory, the Saurians have been in canon for a long time. Bones and Kirk drank Saurian brandy in the original series, and a Saurian was a prominent background character in the motion picture. Hmm. Mariner says that she, uh, Riker is flushed with Romulan ale, which, as all good Star Trek fans know, is illegal. Uh, although Lower Decks referenced Romulan whiskey in the first episode, this is the first reference to Romulan ale in the show. In Nemesis, Riker and Troy had Romulan ale served at their wedding. So Troy saying we'll talk about this might reference the idea she'd assumed that all the Romulan ale had already been drunk. <laughs> Captain Freeman insists that she doesn't want the Cerritos to have cosmetic changes, saying, I hate it when a ship gets repaired and comes out looking all sovereign class. This references the idea that the original 
series Enterprise looked very different after its refit at the beginning of the Star Trek The Motion Picture. Mm-hmm. But more specifically, it references the Sovereign class USS Enterprise-E, the ship that replaced the Enterprise-D in Star Trek First Contact. Jax, the security chief of the USS Cerritos, unexpectedly dies at the end of the, in this in this episode. This could reference Tasha Yar, the security chief of the Enterprise, who died in the first season of Next Generation. Jax's funeral echo, sorry, Jax's funeral echoes Spock's funeral in the Wrath of Khan, mm-hmm. and also Arium's funeral in Star Trek Discovery episode The Red Angel. Riker called Carol Freeman his Chadich. Like Mariner calling Boimler his Chadich in Second Contact, Riker calls Freeman, Mariner's mom, the same thing. Once again, for those who don't remember, Chadich is the Klingon term that means someone is basically someone's loyal assistant who does their fighting for them. Picard was Worf's Chadich in the Next Generation episode, Sins of the Father. Hmm. We don't use money anymore. Riker tells Mariner, why don't you buy me a drink? Mariner replies, we don't use money anymore. This references the fact that most people in the Federation don't use money. Kirk says something very similar in The Voyage Home when Dr. Taylor says, don't tell me that you don't use money in the 23rd century, to which Kirk replies, well, we don't. (laughs) The planet the Titan is headed for at the very end of this episode is Tolgana 4. This is the same planet Boimler and Mariner visited in the Lower Decks episode Envoys. Boimler has a picture of Jack Ransom in his new quarters. It really looks like Boimler has a round photo of Ransom in a place of honor in his new quarters. This is hilarious and weird. Does Boimler think at, uh, Ransom was his friend? <laughs> Mariner is so angry that Boimler left the ship without telling her that she says, I'm going to feed you to an Armus. This references the oil slick alien Armus from the Next Generation, Generation episode, Skin of Evil. Again, this is the creature who killed Tasha Yar. Oh, okay. <laughs> Poor Tasha. <laughs> Riker says he is late to the bridge because I was watching the first Enterprise on the holodeck. You know, Archer and those guys. Nice. This references the infamous finale of Enterprise called These Are the Voyages, which is framed as Riker interacting in a holodeck simulation that recreates the final mission of the NX-01 Enterprise, which took place during the... Uh, episode uh, The Pegasus which I talked about a minute ago mm-hmm. Riker and Troy talk about visiting Lil Risa on Tolgana 4 which prompts Troy to ask if we should bring the little Horgan this references a statue called the Horgan which you which you're supposed supposed to display openly on Risa if you want to well get busy in the next generation uh, episode Captain's Holiday Riker tricked Picard into picking up a statue Riker's warp speed catchphrases give me warp in the factor of five, six, seven, eight. He snaps and counts down to this like he's getting ready to play jazz. To which Troy says, oh, the jazz. I love that. Which seems to reference her annoyance with this obsession. In second chances, Troy marks Riker for being being unable to play a certain trombone solo correctly called uh, on a song called Nightbird. Riker's interest in playing jazz, specifically the trombone, started with the episode... 11001001. Most recently, Riker was listening to jazz in the Picard episode Nefenthe, which Picard showed up at his house. And now that Lower Decks has put Boimler on the Titan, it seems very likely we'll be hearing more of Riker's jazz trombone playing in season two. Mm. 
What, pray tell, do you think of the season finale of Star Trek Lower Decks? Wow. Just wow. Okay, the the first of all, we get the... Because in the, in, the, in the teaser trailer for this episode and the last episode, we have Boimler telling... Uh, Mariner be like, oh, I know your secret. Be like, your mom is, you know, the captain. Yeah, we had and it no idea. Gave you the idea that's all the episode was going to be about. Yeah, and having no idea, he had an open com on his shirt. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh my word, boy, you're dead. Yeah, <laughs> you ought to be dead. Yeah, that's what I kept thinking. Is like, wait, why is he not in a, like a medical bay somewhere? She should have beat him up. Yeah, exactly. That makes no sense though. But either way, it's the fact to be like the the literal cat is out of the bag, and everybody's now sucking up to Mariner. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I absolutely love it to be like the the fact to be like Mariner has been like, be like I've been doing this all low key the entire time. No one knows who I am. I'm a nobody like you, Boimler. Yeah. And like, hey, I'm I'm a somebody. People know me. It's like, wait, no one knows me. But. And we we get that that whole that whole inch a lot of you know greatness there, and then you get the um, what is what is the race we come in contact with? Uh, salvagers, the pack led. Yeah, the pack led. We get we are pack led. <laughs> we are honest traders. <laughs> yeah, we are going to destroy you, Enterprise. We're not the Enterprise. Price. Oh no! There's a second Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> the the fact that like we get a a destruction of a uh, another California class vessel. Exactly, we get that, and just like whoa, okay, that was interesting. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, they actually destroyed a ship. Yeah, and then we get the Cerritos comes in to for a what was it a they um, come in to answer the distress call. Yeah. Because they're convinced, or a Freeman is convinced, that the reason they got the distress call was because, oh, somebody broke a button on yeah. her new ship. We better go check it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, all you see is space debris. <laughs> yes. And referencing, I, I personally think, the destruction of Alderaan in Star Wars A New Hope. <laughs> they come out of warp. We're, where'd this asteroid field come from? Or Star Trek 2009. That too. That too. <laughs> oh, let's face it. That was also a reference to yeah, that was uh, A New Hope because was JJ was a big Star Wars fan before he ever even thought about doing Star Trek. Right. But be like the the scene where the Cerritos gets captured, be like it gets part of its um what is that part it, of the they ship? Rip off one of the warp nacelles. Warp nacelles, thank you. And it's like, oh my gosh, they start literally tearing the ship apart. Yeah. Like, everybody has to, you know, evacuate. You have, um, what's his name? The the guy with the implant. Rutherford. Rutherford. We get Rutherford is like, he's he's having to deal with the new settings. Yeah. And he's changing he his mood. He was touching a thing on his head, and it was causing his personality to change. Which, yeah. That is a really funky that is. Uh, implant that allows that to be a thing allows that to happen mm-hmm. which would explain why unfortunately at the end of the episode he's lost all his memory exactly if it was that implanted into his brain then yeah yeah 
which I'm curious how much of an upgrade he's getting next season on that. Yeah, I wonder. Huh. And you have Tindy with the... Uh, the the Exocomp. The Exocomp. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> See, I thought when we, they, they were showing the Exocomp on there, I thought... Oh, that's an interesting idea. She'll be a, that'll be an interesting little sub story. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not that interesting because we get uh, essentially uh, the exocomp peanut hamper <laughs> being a klutz because she can't do things normal humans can do. We get another scene where she's actually she, she's because of how the robot is. She's actually one of probably the best medical thing the ship could have. Right. And then it's like, oh, this thing that we could easily send over that would be perfectly safe. We should send her over. No, I don't think I will. Well, screw you then. It's like, come on. You know what? I know. I like you. Oh, I think I'm going to beam myself out of this situation. Bye, guys. And she literally beams herself off the ship. And I'm going, (laughs) what was the point of your character? I'm serious. The concept of Peanut Hamper is mm-hmm. a great concept. Criminally destroyed. Yeah. They did not use that, I think, correctly at all, in my opinion. Okay. That's just how, in my... They could have done so much more with that concept. Yeah. At this point, I don't think Peanut Hamper is ever coming back. Oh, you never know. <laughs> I mean, you really never know. I, I was not expecting another th- person that came back that I was... Assumed wouldn't, because we get a return of Badgie. Yeah, oh my gosh. Speaking of that scene, oh my word. The the fact that Rutherford, they're like, okay, I need to create a virus to be like, oh, I can use Badgie. And Badgie's like, no, 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 you, you, forgot, you forgot what this is. We need to use someone who's incredibly smart, but has absolutely no conscience for the, be- the betterment of, of his of, of his fellow people. I don't remember the exact thing. Something like that. And then you see him, Rutherford go into the holodeck. It's like, oh no, Badgie <laughs> is back. <laughs> like, well, you'll need to dis, you'll need to, to you know, turn off all, disable all my safety protocols. Uh, but if I do that, she'll kill me, right? No, I won't do, do that. that. He says, okay. And he disables it. He says, well, I've already created three viruses for you here. Have fun. It's like, okay. So they, Go to take it to useless the exocomp. <laughs> useless. She, she, she basically is useless at that point. She is very useless because says, oh, you can do it. It's like, oh, no, I'm not going to do it. She beams away. And Rutherford decides, well, I know. I'll upload it into my memory. I'm thinking, A, don't. Yeah, don't B, do that, bro. don't. <laughs> C, don't. <laughs> D, you're going to pretend to be Data, aren't you? Crap. <laughs> so he does that. And then we get, and we, then Jax, yeah, Jax, picks him up and runs him through the ship to the shuttlecraft that he, uh, Rutherford was working on. Yeah, you can tell because he painted it like it was one of those old jets from World War Two mm-hmm. that has the t- uh, the shark teeth and crap all oh, over. Oh yeah, it because he he was apparently in aggressive creative mode one day. <laughs> he he had hit the button during aggressive creative mode, and that's when he was working on that. Right, and then. They get over there, and he goes in and starts going. To, it's like, wait a minute, it's slowing to a crawl at 97%. Why is that? And then Badgie's hologram shows up and says, it won't finish until I until you're dead. <laughs> That's why are you doing this, bitch? Because you killed me, father. You snapped my neck. It's like, you know, this fits the character. Yeah, quite a bit. And then we get, uh, to me, one of the 
a scene that kind of it's a, kind of a sad scene. It is. I agree because Rutherford, in Rutherford, um, Jax, yeah, rips Rutherford's implant out of his head. Yeah, throws ow. him onto the yeah a ow throws him onto the shuttlecraft, pushes the shuttlecraft out of the ship. In which we did see that the atmosphere had a force field, mm-hmm. so good there. But before Jax can get off the ship, it blows up. He's with the emissary now. Yeah. It's a good thing that the emissary was a Starfleet officer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I mean, like, I, I, I enjoyed the fact to be like, you had... He's yelling ju- at the prophets now. <laughs> He's yelling at the prophets now. The... Oh man, just like that. That, that was a good character. That yes. was a good character moment for him. That he. I mean, admittedly, he was a. They had not really come up with anything for his character the whole season. Yeah. So I, I, maybe it was time to go ahead and kick him off. And maybe get someone else who'll do a better job. Yeah. Plus, you get the R reference. But did you catch what he said as he pushed the shuttlecraft out? Uh, some be like you know. Get going, little bear. Yes. Something there. Referencing the very short time he was on the security team under Jax as part of the bear. That's the, right. The bear, the, yeah, little uh, bear. That's right. Yeah. Now it'd be like, you mentioned that? Yes. Which, that, that was, which is like, dude! <laughs> <laughs> it was a very touching scene. It was a very touching scene, even though they were having to go uh, very, very fast. And then you get the, the arrival of the Titan. It's like, and oh it's my. not just the arrival of the Titan, which is cool. No, you get played in full the movie, the TNG movie version of the of the Next Generation uh-huh. theme song, played as if it's a hero's arrival. And and it is, and it is. It's like this is stinking awesome. I've never heard <laughs> this theme song played like this because it's. Before, you know, it's kind. It's it's not somber. I mean, it's it, while well, it's a very grand, it's very ceremonial yeah. grand. It's not. I never thought of this as Riker's theme. <laughs> Even it though fits. technically we got Troy also. Yeah, but it's like it fits so well. It's like in the minute they said, "Oh, it's the Titan." They're going, "Oh, great, we got Riker here." <laughs> because it took I, me a I second need, because I remember Titan is like, "Oh, I, Riker's ship." <laughs> I need to watch it again because I need to see if they've got Riker's with his leg up on a console at some point. <laughs> Because you know it was there, because that's what he did. Yeah, I mean they had uh, ransom. They had ransom doing it as a joke, so they've yeah. got to have Riker doing it. Yeah, and oh my word! And yes, we do have both Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis reprising mm. their roles from Next Generation yes. as w- uh, Commander William T. Riker mm. and uh, Counselor Deanna Troy. Troy. Mm. Or I guess it's now Deanna Riker, but. They didn't actually say her last name, so we'll let it go. Yeah, it's Deanna. <laughs> but so, oh yeah. my word! That, so that was that, an, that was a scene. moment of epicness. Yes, and agreed. they're tearing up these pack led ships. Which the pack led ships? I need to go ahead and say this. Hey, when they were first showing that pack led ship, yeah, the one that was the small one that they had a little hologram of, mm-hmm. that is a recreation of the pack led ship that Next Generation crew ran into. Okay. Which I did recognize that, but the other ones they have, it's very much they just crammed all these different ships. Oh, yeah. I thought that was hilarious. Well, when the other three come in after the first one's destroyed, uh huh. If I, as I was looking at it, I thought, wait a minute, those look like shoulders. 
holy crap, is this going to like do, be like a, tr- uh, uh, a Megazord-type robot thing that's going to attack them? <laughs> Are they going to combine somehow? Thankfully, we didn't have that. But I yeah. remember looking at it going, those are shoulders. Where's the head? <laughs> Are the other? And you look at the others. Two. Of, one of them looks like it could be two arms next to each other. It and the does. Other looks like it could be two legs. So I'm just waiting for it to go full Megazord. Uh, what's the What's the Transformer one that does that? Uh, Devastator. Devastator. Yeah, I'm waiting for it to go that full thing. Yeah. It's like, please, please, that will be so fun. <laughs> It'll be so cool, and I can see Riker shoot its head off. <laughs> But no, we don't get to see no, that. No, we don't, but that would have been fun. Be- best part, the uh, the ship they were coming there to save. Yeah. That thing, that, that little bit of the saucer could have been like its head piece that would have gone <laughs> on top of the head. Like how some of the Megazords yeah. kind of have a hat. Yeah. <laughs> That's what that would have been. Because that would have been funny. Sad, but funny. funny. <laughs> anyway. Oh. Oh, that was so it stinking was good. Such a good episode. And plus, we get the very ending where... Yes, Bormler takes 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 the a promotion, promotion to, to the, the Titan. Titan. Now, do you remember who else is on the Titan? Remind me. You remember the guy they got promoted to the Titan? Oh yeah, that's right. That was the most worthless person on the oh, ship. Yeah, yeah, he's on Titan. That's right. Boimler's gonna find him and kick his butt. <laughs> Or they'll, he'll show up next season sometime. He will. So, yeah. And also, he had... Uh, there next to the pad where all of... Uh, where she was calling him yeah. all that time. Did you see that the Boimler effect, Boimler effect pa- uh, plaque was sitting next to it? Yeah, I did. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> okay, it's a great callback. It is something... As much as he hates the idea, that is something to be proud of. It yeah. was something you got. Um, so, yeah. I think that brings us to the end of this episode. I think so. But... We need to talk about the series as the season as a whole. Okay. Going into this season, I expected. Well, let's face it. The the trailers when we were first starting off, mm. I was worried. Yeah, I was worried that this was going to be some raunchy, just for the jokes thing. It was going to ruin all this other stuff because mm-hmm. I was afraid it was going to be my perception of. Um, Rick and Morty, but yeah. in Star Trek. I'm not going to say it's not Rick and Morty in Star Trek because I've not actually watched Rick and Morty, but I will say it doesn't match my perception of that yeah. show. It was a, I think the show has done very well. It is an exaggeration of events, and I think I think some of what we see in the show is, does prove my theory that's been going on this whole time is that this is not the actual av- adventures of this crew. Okay. I think, personally, I think... Your your own hand cannon. This is my head cannon. We are reading Mariner's Logs. Okay. That have been turned into kind of a holodeck novel, much like the movie thing from last episode. Okay. These are not the actual events that occurred, but they're based on those events. Okay. And it is an exaggeration. exaggeration... Because there's a lot of stuff that happens in this show that I can't see on a normal episode of Star Trek. And yet, there's a lot here I can see, but just exaggerated in the way that Mariner exaggerates what she talks about and Mm. everything. I have a feeling whenever we get to the series finale, that will be the big reveal. 
is that this has all been a story that she's written mm. that has been turned into a hollow novel. That can make sense. To use the Star Trek terminology. Yeah. Um, and that would make sense because she's got, and, and she probably got together with Boimler and Tendi and Rutherford right. to, uh, to get this together. And you'll note that Rutherford didn't have much this season. Yeah. But there's a good reason for that. He doesn't remember what happened this season. No, he doesn't. We're getting mostly what uh, of Rutherford's side of things. We're mostly getting Tindy's views of That's it. That's true. Or we're getting some of Boimler's ten, uh, views of what when they when uh, he would run into it. Or uh, Mariners, and mm. plus perhaps when they were writing this up, they went and ru- and checked back on logs the Cerritos mm-hmm. have because. They would have access to it. All that's probably public knowledge by that point. Mm-hmm. Or just wrote that his character during that time as being, you know, this is what he would have to do because this is how he's, he is. Yeah. And obviously he can't remember any of the adventures he had because he, that will turn out. But that would explain, also explain why Jax didn't have much to do this season either. Hmm. Because most of, the times he was involved with anything involving the crew, it was through Rutherford. That makes, interesting, that, isn't it? Yeah, that is interesting. It, it would be now, interesting to develop. S- it actually happened. I have no idea if this is planned. Yeah. But I also believe in if it wasn't planned, you always take the shots you hit. Yeah. So if it works out this nice, you take it, you run with it, you claim it worked. I mean, it worked yeah. for George Lucas with Star Wars. True. <laughs> Very true. But anyway, that's my thoughts on this season. What are yours? My thoughts uh, going into it, knowing a little bit about Brick and Morty and the creators behind it, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I don't, I don't know if I'm gonna like this. Ever since I'm not a Trekkie at all, uh, I've watched most of the movies, or I've watched all the movies. I've seen little bits here and there of the series. And it's like, okay, this is going to be more like a slapstick, really rude comedy. And I was pleasantly surprised. And hearing you just burst out laughing about every other minute about some... Something you've never even heard of. I've never heard of. And be like, what was that? (laughs) But And then then I get to explain the joke to you about 30 minutes later when we record the episode. (laughs) Yes. So I mean, like watching this, ser- watching season one was very educational when it comes to Trek lore and understanding more about the Star Trek universe. It was a pleasant experience. It was fun. It was nothing like I've ever seen Star Trek wise ever. And I'm honestly, I'm very excited for season two when it comes out. Now I do have a question. You've not watched much of the series. All you've really watched is the movies, correct? Yeah. Does this interest you in any way in going back and looking at some of the old episodes? Uh, Not all of them, because that's a lot, but yeah. maybe a selection. Possibly. Because here's the thing. Every time they make one of these series, the idea is, we're trying to get people into Star Trek who had right. never watched Star Trek right. before. So here's, and that's some of what went into this. So I, my my thought is always, with someone who doesn't know very little about Star Trek, yeah. does this interest you into watching other Star Trek? A little bit, a little bit. It's it's more understanding where all these these little nuggets and references come from. Be like, now I understand them because you be like, you are a vast knowledge of Star Trek. I know more Star. I've forgotten more about Star Trek than most people know about life. <laughs> That's saying something. 
Um, but other than that, be like it's it's a really really well done show. Uh, comedy wise, it's in the mark. Uh, character development, it's in the mark. Uh, definitely with the last episode of the first season, it's just oh my word, that was incredible. That yeah. was just uh, just a breath of fresh air. Uh, it turned into a literal Star Trek movie, just a short television show. Yeah. And I enjoyed it. I tremendously loved it, and I cannot wait for season two. So I have one question involving lore that okay. this movie did not answer. You mean TV show? The show in general. Okay. For most of this season, the Federation people we see, the Starfleet mm-hmm. personnel we see, are wearing the same Starfleet uniform that we see later on in Picard, mm-hmm. which is like 10 years after this. Except the crew of the Titan. Yeah. Why is the crew of the Titan wearing uh, last year's uniforms? I don't know. Maybe it's just more... The only other time we saw this these uniforms was the flash... In the show. Yeah. Was the flashback uh, to when Mariner was on Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And the guy who had been on the... Uh, the weird transport transport to, to chaos town, or at least that's what he thought it was. Yeah. That had been on the thing for forever. Yeah. So it was implied that the reason he was wearing that uniform is because that's the uniform he was wearing when he got brought on board. Why then, you know, the, it was the guy who was both half an old man had yeah. both mm-hmm. half, uh, advanced aging, half, uh, reverse aging. Right. He was wearing the, the last uniform, the deep, the deep space nine TNG movie era uniform. Why is it now that we're obviously got new uniforms, at least on the Cerritos mm-hmm. and other ships? Why is the Titan a much more advanced ship and something really a ship of the line, similar to the enterprise? Why are they still wearing the old uniform other than they are wearing the old uniform and all the non-canon uh, book covers? Hmm. My only th- my only conclusion to that would be it's like okay it's Riker it's the last thing we ever saw Riker wearing except in Picard yeah because he's wearing that in the episode when he's captaining a ship at the end of Picard spoiler yeah. alert mm-hmm. so I, I nostalgia I guess I guess it's just it's just weird seeing Boimler move from the the newer uniform to the old uniform yeah. At the very end of the episode, which at the same time, it's kind of cool. Yeah. At the same time, it's like, there's a lot of questions about how the Starfleet uniforms work that have never been explained. It could be that, you know, that's just hasn't made the, it just, that ship just hadn't made the upgrade yet because of the stores. But then why wouldn't he keep you wearing the uniform he brought over from the Cerritos just with a new pin? Mm. I don't know. I'm just guessing. I yeah. have no idea. Yeah. That's just a weird thing that popped in my mind anyway yeah that does bring us to the end of this episode yes do we want to talk about what is coming up next for the animated series uh i would yes go ahead uh let's go uh what we are planning to do is it is a it's a crossover with a very beloved series on the cw called which i never watched yeah supernatural and I believe it's in season 13. They do a very interesting crossover with Scooby-Doo. <laughs> so we will be doing Scooby- surprised. We will be doing Scooby Natural from Supernatural 
season 13 or 14, one of those, and uh, we'll be doing a review over that. And what are we doing after that? Uh, a little show from 2011 called Thundercats. <laughs> the anime version. Yeah, the animated version. Not the animated. They're that's all what animated. You know, that's what, you know I'm what talking I about mean. the one most people think of as the anime version. Yeah, the anime. That's Not what I meant to say. the original Saturday morning cartoon. Which was done in anime. Done which anime is also stuff. technically anime. But, yes. And we're also not talking about Thundercats blah. Yeah. Yeah, Thundercats meow. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> Either way. Either so, way, yes. So uh, join us for that or as we continue going on. And uh, also continue listening to our normal episodes of the Cellcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should be finishing up uh, Halloween month as this episode ends, and getting ready for Studio Ghibli month part two. Mm-hmm. So join us for that. Yep. Thanks, guys. Come, Jacob. We must prepare for next week. Prepare for what, Drew? Same thing we do every week, Jacob. Record a podcast. Oh boy. So where can they find you, Jacob? They can find me on Facebook at Jacob B. Heron and Jacob's Daily Art Corner, my personal art Facebook page, on Twitter at Jacob B. Heron, on Instagram at Jacob B. Heron, and on Letterboxd at Jacob Heron. Where can they find you, Drew? Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. You can also find my Facebook page at Drew's Photo Bin, where I upload uh, my photography. You can also follow me on Letterboxd at GGeorge759 and Twitter at GGeorge759. Where can they find us, Jacob? You can also visit our website, thecellcast.podbean.com, where you will find every episode we released and links to listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher, our RSS feed. If we aren't in your favorite podcast app directory, please share, review, and subscribe to us there and share us with your friends. You will also find a link to our Facebook group, the Double Feature Podcast Community, where we talk about both animated and live-action movies. We share this with our other podcasts, which we do with Jacob's brother Jim, at uh, the Movie of the Week podcast, where we talk about live-action movies. You can also email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. Also, please like our page on Facebook. We try to post about upcoming movies. If you comment on that movie's post before we record, we'll read your comments in the episode. And remember, every time we say The Cellcast, that is with a single L.